to Sands in the Shadows podcast, the podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, talk about stories, storytelling, and other things that have caught our interest. My name is Emily Collins. My name is Georgia Doyley. My name is Deirdre Quinn. And today we're talking about animals again, and there was a poll on the Patreon. Cats or dogs? And cats won. <laughs> Emily does not look happy, just so you know. Yeah, we, we have done an episode on cats before, and uh, I think anyone who listened to that will be aware I am a dog person. You can actually hear my dogs snoring in the background. I like dogs. And Orla was trying to convince me that, you know, I should be on Team Cat. She hasn't managed to convince me yet, but we've got to tell a few more stories about cats. <laughs> uh, Deirdre, you weren't actually, you weren't there for the, uh, the cats episode. What's, are you, are you a cat person or dog person? Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. Um, um like, don't get me wrong. I like animals when they're not trying to bite my hand off. Um, that could so. be a cat or a dog. Any animals friendly to me, I'll be friendly back. So oh. I can't, I can't show my true colours just yet. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out okay. from your stories. <laughs> and Georgia, your your parents have now got a dog. So has that made you more catty or more doggy? Um, interesting. I so I've always been a dog person. My parents have got a puppy, still a puppy. Uh, we we sort of we have an agreement. I wouldn't say I like him, but we, <laughs> we have an agreement. Um, so I think I'm still a dog person, but I'm I'm so fond of my cat. You know, so I, I think I agree with Deirdre. It's like the individual animal, you know. I don't discriminate on that uh, uh, basis. Yes. Well, Bunbury yeah. does sometimes Indeed. act like a cat and she's <laughs> rolling around on the floor at the moment. I think I just heard her, like, growl as a cat as well. Yeah, she can make cat. some really weird noises. She When she's, like, I'm trying to put her to bed and she doesn't want to go to bed, she makes this, like, weird little bird whine noise. Oh. Yeah, I, I could can't imitate it. I'll record it someday. <laughs> but we're talking about cats and cats in fairy tales and folklore. So I've got a fairy tale cat. You have got some uh, interesting cat folklore and tradition and... Deirdre has some Irish folklore about cats. Yes. Great. So will we uh, we start with the Irish? Yes, of course. Uh, Because I'm trying to become in training for a wise woman in Ireland, meaning I'm still making mistakes to get there. Um, She's got her eye on a cottage down in Kerry. Oh, indeed, indeed. Next to a fairy hill. With a lovely good farmer who can chop down some trees and good set of flannel. Is there road frontage? Oh, indeed. I think the dogs are upset that we're talking about cats. They're trying to get our attention. Guys, guys, shush. Puppies! Here, lads. I'll edit that. You were saying, dear. Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> when it comes to cats and Irish folklore, um, so there's an awful lot of mixed beliefs between if you meet a cat uh, with black fur, is that meant to bring good luck or bad luck, depending which county that you're in. But there's a, a few places that have some thoughts about it. Like in County Clare, it was thought that to be looked at fixedly by a cat after it had washed its face and was a sign of approaching marriage. So the cat's staring at it going, yeah, you need to, you need to get hitched before long. <laughs> but then somewhere else would say the likes of if a Fitz cat was looking for you for no apparent reason, that was an omen of sickness or death. So if they're trying to categorise sickness yeah. and death the same as marriage. Yeah. Well, it, one is the cat is just looking at you because you happen to be in the same room and the other is the cat's going out of its way to find you. Indeed. Yeah. So there's that as well. Oh, and there was this one as well. Um, a purring cat or a cat with its back to the fire was a sign of rain. While in County Donegal, it was believed Everything's that a it... sign of rain. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were just covering their tracks. Um, but they were saying as well in Donegal that it was believed that a cat was washing its face by the fire foretold bad weather. So, again... Again, like Donegal, um, 
most things you can say are probably going to foretell bad weather because it's a uh, very rainy part of the country. Yeah, you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. it's going to rain. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're up north, it's cold, it's windy because you're, you're on the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not going to happen. It's going to happen. Or in another is in County Cork. It was considered bad luck to bring a cat along when moving house. But if the cat found its way to the new house, that was fine. But in Limerick, it was thought that putting a cat underneath a pot uh, brought bad weather. What? <laughs> yeah, oh, it gets better. Putting a... What? Yeah, so in Limerick, it was thought of putting a cat underneath a pot brought bad weather. And it was apparently a common practice among sailors' wives to, in order to keep their men home. Put... A pu- oh. Putting... A, normally when these things are things that you might do just generally, but putting a cat under a pot... Like, uh-huh. who discovered that uh, this worked? Why yeah. were you putting and a cat... How? Like a cooking pot? I'm just imagining like a, putting a oh. saucepan over the cat. We children. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do yeah, but there's a risk of if you don't do it, then um, there's a chance that your sailor husband won't come home. Oh. But it brings bad, bad weather. Yes. Yeah, so they can't so, leave. Oh, so they can't leave. I thought yeah. it was like they're out at yeah. sea, but Whereas put the cat under home. the pot to bring the bad weather. <laughs> yeah, you got to get <laughs> yeah. your timing right or that yeah. could go oh, yeah. very wrong. It'll go way off. Time of year, time of day could go way off. <laughs> Interesting on the cork thing, actually, because when we first moved to cork, um, mm. a cat came with the house and it, it was not a very nice cat. It didn't mm. like us. A lot of biting the wrist sort of thing. Ooh, so when we were moving to another house in cork, my dad tried tried to get the cat into a box to bring it with us. It was having none of it. Oh, really? absolutely refused. Wouldn't come with us, so we, we left it behind with the with, with the, the, the owners. And uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't come to rejoin us. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I can see the bad luck there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know there's I know there's a lot of things about like when people do move with cats, they they kind of get used to a to an apron. They don't like it. So like when mm-hmm. people move house to stop the cat trying to go off to the old house, they like put butter on their paws, oh. so they they slip. I don't know if people actually do this or if it's just a thing people say you should do, but uh, mm. buttering your cat. You might just keep licking their paws until Maybe. they're comfortable in the new place. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe, do. yeah. I don't, do, I don't know cats like butter. I know they can't taste sweet. Oh, that makes sense. Or at least according to QI, they can't. Dogs can, though. Dogs, Dogs can. Yeah. Dogs definitely can. <laughs> Almost definitely. Yeah, so those are some interesting uh, associations with cats. Mm. Might test out the putting... A, is it animal cruelty to put a pot over a cat? Uh, you could ask the cat whether it's okay with it. Uh, yeah, I'll, do, I'll give that a try. <laughs> well, if you didn't think that was cruel, this one is quite. Um, in the book it says, The most unfortunate of all, however, was a black cat with white paws. The powdered liver of such a cat was believed to be effective as a love potion when administered to the intended l- intended person. Mm. Oh, right, that's... Uh, but if you thought that was a bit too vicious, Ooh. there was also uh, nine hairs of a black cat chopped up, soaked in water, and then swallowed could also relieve the whooping cough. Um, yeah, I think penicillin yeah, might be a little bit better than, better than cat yeah. hair. Yeah. 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 What book are you... Uh... Oh, it's the Ireland's Animals, Myths and Legends Folklore by uh, a guy called Neil McKeeter. Yeah, and which it, I've totally pronounced wrong. Yeah, it has a load of different sections on different animals. Indeed. Uh, uh, but beware of the white mare section and becoming the king of Ulster. <laughs> that's, not, that's not for young ears. No, yeah. no. Oh, God, Ulster. I know, they do some very odd things in Ulster. <laughs> very odd things. Any any other Irish uh, Irish traditions with cats? Whenever I think of Ireland and cats, I just think of the king of the cats. Oh, yes, that classic Which, uh, story. Orla told a, a version of the Scottish story, but the king of the cat, she shows up a couple times in Irish folklore. So the dogs are being... Mm. Uh, very annoying because we're talking about cats. <laughs> so the king of cats shows up a, a couple times under various names, various types of king of the cats. There's one where a, a guy he's he's kept home and he, he 
he accidentally kills this giant cat and he tells his wife about it and his wife's like, well, that, that can't mean anything good. And then the next day when he's out, this lady cat comes in, huge lady cat with all of her kittens and says, your husband killed my husband. So in revenge, I'm going to kill you. And the woman's like, oh, well, um, oh, he was the king of the cats, wasn't he? And you're the queen of the cats. And these are all the prince and princesses of the cats. Well, you know, you were going to kill me eventually, but let me just show you some decent hospitality first. And she goes out and she gets milk. And she keeps feeding the cats buckets and buckets and buckets of milk. And eventually the cats are so full and happy and fat that they just fall asleep. And she's able to creep away. And I assume they leave the country because the story ends there. Move to Barbados, adopt new, yeah, do new names. New yeah. um, but because cats, you know, when cats are fed, they like to have a nap. Yeah. I'm a bit like that. Maybe I've got a bit of cat in me. Maybe I can be persuaded to like cats. Yeah, it, <laughs> sounds, it sounds like you are. It sounds like you're getting there. I don't dislike cats. I just much prefer dogs. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just got to find you the right cat. Mm. Yeah. A, a cat A cat who acts like a dog. To go with my meet. dog who acts like a cat. <laughs> you should meet my cat, Storm right, again. Mm-hmm. I must meet Storm again. Yes. <laughs> Any more, any more ca- Irish cats? Oh, yes. There was one about the uh, two of the Danon. Oh, they're the, the magical god fairy folk. Yes, indeed. Um, or the people of Danu, if you will. Um, but there was a physician within these gods called Miak. And it says, Miak uses a cat's eye to replace one lost by a young warrior in battle. Although his sight is restored, the young man finds the replacement to be a bit of a mixed blessing. For when he wanted to sleep and take his rest... It is then the eye would start at the squeaking of the mice or the flight of the birds or the movement of the rushes when he was wanting to watch an army or a gathering. It is then it was sure to be in a deep sleep. So uh, I don't know how to feel about having a cat's eye. In place yeah, a of cat's your own eye that, eye that acts and... like a cat. Yeah. yeah. Although it'll be an interesting one for a story. I don't think I'll ever get yeah. a wink of sleep. Yeah. Uh, the, if we can just time them up that, you know, you... You're on nap duty when something important is to be done. <laughs> Indeed, yes. It was Miak. Is Miak, is he DM'd Ketch's son? Oh, oh, I think so it is. Hang on, I'll check my encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, uh, Deirdre's gone off to find her. She carries an encyclopedia with her. I am the bag lady. You are so cool. <laughs> um, but um, just for anyone, uh, in the two-day down in game tech, he was seen as the great healer. Uh, sort of almost like the god of healing and he created the healing wells and things. But one of his sons was an even better healer and like was he Nuada Game Kecht managed to make Nuada this magic prosthetic silver arm. But then Miak went, I can do one better. I can make you a flesh arm. And uh, Game Kecht got really pissed off at this and hit his son over the head with a sword. But his son was such a great healer, he could heal it. So he did it again and he planted the sword like right down into the middle of his forehead and his son was such a great healer he could do that again. So Dame Kecht really lost it and chopped his son's head off. And the removing of the head from the body, the severing of the spinal cord, was the only wound his son could not heal. And then his son gets his revenge by they bury him and on his grave 41 healing herbs grow. No. So this is like, ha, you can't stop me, Dad. <laughs> is it me? Yes, that's the man himself. Yeah. And uh, if anyone wants to know more about that, um, the Story Archaeology podcast, they do a great thing on various members of the Tour de Dana, oh, including yes. Dean Kett and his son Miet, and also his daughter, whose name I can't remember. I remember uh, looking her up, but I can't remember but she the is, name she's either. meant to be every bit as skilled with herbs and healing as, as her father and her brother, but she... Um, 
didn't get the credit. Didn't get as much credit. Mm-hmm. But admittedly, though, didn't get beheaded. Oh, which yeah. is you know makes you memorable. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having a having a gory death. Also, there's there's like in one count, Miak is going around like he has to teach the he's making this arm so he like makes it out of wood and then he makes wraps it in corpse flesh and he's trying to like teach it the body heat so he's like carrying it next under his shirt oh. and it's like it's really weird as to how they they do this sort of mix of science and magic and yeah. uh, it's it really weird but i found that really interesting it is the mix of science and magic because yeah. when you mentioned the spinal cord and it's like oh yeah well, like, mm. yeah there the was this thing like um on the big battle of moitura diem kecht and me worked together to make these healing wells under instruction by lou that could literally heal you from anything except severing of the spinal cord so they seem to know that that was a that was an important. Yeah, it was lights out. That yeah. was the one was gone. Um, it says here that the sister of Miuk was Armed, and she laid out her cloak according to their virtue and the herbs that had grown on his grave. But Dean Kiecht actually mixed them up, and so there is virtue remains unknown. Oh, yes, And now that we've got suitably off topic from cats, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling much better. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's make Emily uncomfortable again. All right, okay, cats. So we've had Irish cats. Uh, oh, you, you found something about the, one of the most famous Irish cats, Pangerborn? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've, I've been feeding dear to baked goods to stop her talking about cats. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> They're baking, it's delicious. All right, so yes, um, one of the famous cats indeed is Pangerborn. This is coming from an Irish monk and it comes from around, they believe, the 9th century where there was celebrated a poem found in the margins of a manuscript in the monastery of St. Paul and Corinthia in Austria. Apologies for pronouncing that wrong. But the uh, monk praises Panger's skill, comparing his prowess in, catch- in catching mice with his own skill in hunting for the meaning of the words. It is clever, clever metaphors and it's charmed readers. Now, it goes on for about eight verses. Is it okay to read it out in the yeah, English Yeah, this is a translation. Yeah. Because uh, so, the original was in Old Irish. In, there's a translation here of it from Irish to English. Now, my Irish has gone a long time. So hopefully it still has the same charm in English. So Pangarbon. Both myself and Pangarbon each have trades we call our own. Hunting words, my only vice. He, my white cat, hunts for mice. I do not care for fame or glory, just a book with well-told story. Panker does not envy that, he's content to be a cat. <laughs> Tis a sight to gladden hearts, when we at home, though each apart, ceaselessly our skills employ, and so find no greater joy. Often with a sudden snatch, a helpless mouse, his net will catch. I too spread my net out far, to capture meanings deep and hard. Against the wall he sets his sight, with fixed eye, both round and bright. My feeble eye is also fixed on spying wisdom's subtle tricks. What delight my cat does feel when his sharp claws make my squeal. Getting a precious answer right gives me just the same delight. Though we sit close by all day, he never came, he never harm each other's trade. Each content to work alone, happy with skills he's made on his own. Sure and swift is Panger's aim, and each and every day he trains. My own training strives to find, out of darkness, a clear mind. There's there's a lovely setting of that and a number of the other poems that they found by Irish monks written, sort of scribbled in the margins, by Samuel Barber, who Mm. was, he's an American 20th century composer, but he did set a lot of these Irish um, sort of pre-medieval stuff. 
And I just find it so cool that like when you're scribbling in the margins of like your coffee book at school or you're making a note in a book, in a couple hundred years this may be discovered and seen as this great work. <laughs> Set to music. Yeah. Yeah. To it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I like that thing about the, the, the scholar, the monk just writing, writing about his cat. Because a lot of the other ones they're writing about, they're complaining about it's cold, it's <laughs> wet. I wish I was curled up in bed, but they're making me do this me. Working conditions are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like, oh, that's never going to change, okay. <laughs> yeah. so, th- so that's a little bit of the, the Irish Irish world of the cats, but you've been looking further afield. I have, yeah. I keep stumbling down rabbit holes, but um, I found... Or cat holes? Or cat holes, or oh, maybe rabbit holes the cats went down to to get food. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I, found, I actually found a, a fascinating website that I really want to go back to because I've only scraped the surface today looking at cats. Um, it's called Iranica Online. So um, their own description is the Encyclopedia Iranica is a comprehensive research tool dedicated to the study of Iranian civilization in the Middle East, the Caucasus, uh, Central Asia and the Indian subcontinent. So it's, it's interesting. It covers a lot of sort of Zoroastrian stuff and Persian oh. stuff, um, Islam, those sort of those sort of um, cultures. Um, and yeah, there was just lots of fascinating little little bits about cats. They really they really oh. feature quite quite a lot in this. Because um, I suppose cats have been around for quite a while. They have. And they, they're, yeah. they're everywhere. There's this mm-hmm. thing like humans domesticated dogs, cats domesticated humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't trust them. <laughs> um, they are quite suspicious, and you know who else didn't trust cats? The Zoroastrians. Ah, because in fact, in their mythology, um, cats essentially are, are said to have been created by the evil spirit. Um, yep, I can totally see that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, according to Zoroastrian myth, the cat was born from the the copulation of Jam sister Jamak uh, with a demon. So it's a oh. cross between a god and a demon. Oh. God plus demon equals cat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can certainly <laughs> see cats seeing themselves as that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And we get onto the superiority complex here. But um, but yeah, so this, to the Zoroastrians, the cat was uh, was seen as this treacherous um, thing and one of the noxious creatures in contrast to the dog, which they praised for its loyalty. And there are reports that Zoroastrians believed that if a cat were to urinate in the sea, 10,000 fish would die. Yeah. And did anyone ever test this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, do, the, do the fish die nearby or is it just in the ocean somewhere 10,000? Is it a mixture of fish? Is it? Because I can, I can see like you trying to, to utilise that for like fishing purposes because dead fish float, but oh, do they start rotting? Yeah. I don't know. I will admit, yeah, I did. Um, so for a lot of these things, they give really good sources for these, but oh. quite frequently yeah. they're they're in Arabic or another uh. language. So I was there like, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, would love to learn Arabic at some point, but not so good now. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, um, a story um, in the Sa'nama, I can't do the pronunciation again, I'm really sorry, but um, suggests that cats were, were common both as pets and mousers uh, in the time of Khosrau II Parvez. Um, according to the story, Khosrau um, sent a wicked and ruthless man to, to, to Ray, which is the, the hometown of, of someone called Bahram Kubin. I, again, I don't know who these people are. But anyway, as a governor with the order to destroy the cats, um, the governor ordered all the house cats in the city be killed. But this led to such an explosion in the mouse population that the inhabitants of the city were forced to abandon their houses. Oh. Um, the city was saved when the queen brought a kitten to entertain the king persuading him to oh. remove the wicked governor from his post and reintroduce cats. Um, <laughs> really nice. But, um, but yeah, when it comes to the other cultures, the, the interestingly, the cat, um, applies more to us as well, Western cultures as well, the cat is uh, actually not 
explicitly um, mentioned in the, the Bible, nor is it mentioned in the Quran. Um, so according to, to Muslim mythology, um, I love this story, um, the cat was created on Noah's Ark. So alarmed at the increasing number of mice, Noah asked God for help um, because the mice were infesting the entire mm. Ark. It was going to ruin um, their, their, their mission. <clears throat> so God ordered him to touch the lion's head or rub its nostrils, whereupon the lion sneezed out a pair of cats. Um, uh. <laughs> interesting but uh, apparently also this this myth interesting with the superiority complex this myth may be at the root of the Persian folk belief that the cat is vain because it fell out of a lion's nose <laughs> you're a lion's snot and you're proud of that and you're proud of that yeah <laughs> do you know the way cats don't like being wet yeah, I just well, have this some... image of cats not like it depends on the cats stuff. because um like tigers famously love swimming. Mm. Oh ocelots do too. Yeah, and mancoons, which are a type of house cat. They're they're really big, really furry, uh, actually quite gentle given like, that they are basically tiny lions. Yeah. But they love to swim. They love water. Um so yeah. Some okay. cats. Some Maybe cats they were those. Um, but yeah, uh, the, it's it's interesting. Yeah, there's there's so much here about um, also the, the medicinal and the sort of like the eating of cats and stuff. Eating cats, yeah. Are I cats good really... for eating? Well, but we know their liver is mm. good for love potions. Yeah, you know, and that's obviously science. Oh, so. of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in in both Persian and Arabic sources, it is said that by eating the flesh of a black cat, black one specifically, one is protected against magic. Um, but it was also believed that because cats at times attack enemies much larger than themselves, a diet of cat's flesh would um, endow the eater with a cat's um, bravery, fearlessness, and bravery. I um, I don't know. I just I, I mean I, I I don't like a lot of meat in enemy, but I I imagine a cat being very stringy, very yeah. gamey. Mm. There's not unless it's a very fat cat. There's not a lot of flesh on them. Yeah, yeah. and the flesh that because they're all stretchy and slinkyish. I, I can't imagine really a cat would be tasty. Chewy and unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and there's also a nice reference to, you know, the way a cat always lands on its feet. Mm-hmm. So, which one I've forgotten about recently. There's a folk legend that states that um, a cat always lands on its feet because the first imam, Ali, blessed its back by caressing it. And this belief has given rise to the expression, um, again, sorry for pronunciation, Gorbayi Mataza Ali, Ali's cat, referring to those who, when difficulties, always land on their feet you know those ah, people who just like yeah, mm, yeah. life just never yeah um and yeah with the the medicine thing um there's there's a lot there i've only found one that i sort of wanted to quote which was that um in folk medicine mm-hmm. so this is a very complicated one if a cat eats the placenta of a woman after child what okay <laughs> who's just... letting the cat into the delivery room I mean, I don't think they had to, like... Well, the, the room you are delivering in. I mean, like, you know, you're, you're sort of in the middle of everything. you got a baby, you know. Or, you know, or who's thinking, oh, well, just take inside. some of this residue placenta and get my cat to eat it. I know, I, I sort of feel I like... I think they gave it to them. <laughs> I, I feel like when you're you, you're giving birth, it, it takes a while. You've got a couple of people, you know, who've come in because you, you're screaming. Someone should probably shoo the cat out, because I don't think that... But isn't everyone a bit distracting? You know, the cats are a bit sneaky. Oh, yeah, but I'm just thinking yeah. shedding and hair. Oh, uh, duh. Okay, let's, let's... Okay, I'll go through this story super okay, quickly. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, woman started. <laughs> let's not think about this too much. If a cat eats the placenta of a woman after childbirth... Oh, God, it gets worse. She will become barren as a result of an illness The called... cat or the woman? 
The, the, the woman. The woman. Yeah. So to cure her barrenness, the placenta of a cat should be held over her head while water is poured on it. The water trickling down on her head will cure the woman. Another cure for female infertility involves taking some cat hair, uh, some game meat, and the string of seven colours to the bathhouse and casting them in the oven. Okay, that went off on a right tangent there. <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. Cool. Um, that was a bad one to end on. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. no I'm, lion no, sneezing. I'm, 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 I'm just... <laughs> Do, uh, okay, this is a weird thing. I know that like cats, they have multiple parts and they can actually, um, each kitten can have a different father because of the way cats reproduce. So do they each have their own little individual placenta? Or is there one big placenta for all the kittens in the litter? So what I presume that there must be separate ones because if it can get pregnant on separate occasions... You know, the timing would be... Well, I don't know, actually. Yeah, yeah. is the timing different? Or do they I think, I think it's like... The, they, the same day? I think so. They, they, when they ovulate, they don't just produce one egg. They produce... Ah, I a see. Few. Yeah, a few. Yeah. Um, if anyone is a vet or <laughs> knows more about um, cat reproduction, if you've, you've had a cat, it's like kittens... Please don't get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so cats... Oh, God, yeah, they're... I'm just... I'm still getting over this, like placenta shower thing i know i did the water has to dribble yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of don't try this at home oh yes definitely and and, and don't have a cat near you when you're giving birth yeah because like i imagine like even if the cat was trying to be helpful like clean the baby they've got very raspy tongues yes yeah though i kind of love that i I i've never been licked by a cat again i normally am covered in dog hair so cats avoid me (laughs) my skirt is currently very fluffy it works. You're pulling it off really well. <laughs> All right. So I have, um, I found a, a cat fairy tale. Uh, I'm going to try to tell a cat story where the cat isn't the villain. <gasps> it's difficult for me. Emily, I know. who are you and what I have know. you done with our friend? <laughs> it's a very, very different day altogether. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a French fairy tale. So we're, we're going, we're going, multi- we've got many, many things on this episode. And it's one of the fairy tales by Charles Perrault. And it is Puss in Boots. Ah. So there was once a miller, and the miller had three sons, because in fairy tales, everyone always has three children. The miller died, and his property was divided up amongst his three sons. His eldest son got the mill. His middle son was given his mule, and the youngest son, well, he was just given a cat. The eldest and middle son, the son who had the mill and had the mule, well, they decided they would team up. Uh, the mule could help make the mill spin and carry the the flour and the grain, they could go into business together and they were plotting this and the youngest son was just thinking, well, I've just got a cat. What good's a cat? He sat by the river looking at the cat as it cleaned its paws and thought, well, I guess I could kill it and eat it and maybe skin it and sell the fur, but then what'll I do? And the cat looked up from washing itself and said, well, I'd rather you didn't. And to be honest, I'm not too thrilled being stuck with you. I was hoping for the other brother, but I guess we'll just have to make the best of a bad lot. Now, I can give you riches. I can make you make you a superstar. But do what I say. Ask me no questions. I don't have time for your human questions. Do what I tell you, and trust me, kid, we'll go far. And the the miller son, this cat talks. <laughs> this cat talks. This is amazing. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, cat. Uh, what's your plan? The cat says, well, first, I need a pair of boots. You've got some money in your pocket. Your last pennies. Go off and. Have me a set of boots made. Leather, thigh-high boots. And the miller's son went off and had a set of boots made for the cat. 
I don't know if it was common at the time for people to make cats with boots. I, I don't know. It just, but the, he brought back the boots and they fitted perfectly. The cat was like, yes, perfect. Now I'm going to go hunting. And the cat went off hunting and he found a big fat hare with glossy coat, broke her neck and then carried her to the king. He entered the palace of the king and said, My lord, I have come with a gift, a gift from my master, the Marquess of Catsbury. He has brought you one of the game from his land. And the king... He couldn't remember who the Marquis of Catsbury was, but, well, this was a very well-dressed and well-spoken cat. So he said, oh, of course, my dear friend, the Marquis of Catsbury, thank you for the gift. I'll have it sent to the kitchen and cooked up. And the cat did the same thing the next day. He caught uh, a goose. He brought it to the king and said, my lord, I bring a gift from my master, the Marquis of Catsbury. And the king said, oh, the Marquis of Catsbury, he is so generous. Thank you. Thank you. And please send him my regards. Thank him for sharing with me the bounty of his land. And this continued on, and the king, well, he completely forgot the fact that he'd never actually met the Marquis of Catsbury. <laughs> he would often tell his friends, oh, yes, my dear friend, the Marquis of Catsbury was just saying to me, the Marquis of Catsbury would, in this occasion. Cat's plan was working perfectly. Now, time for stage two. He knew that the king and his daughter would be driving in their carriage by the river, and he told the miller's son, you're looking a bit dirty. Uh, take off your clothes, get into the river, you know, wash yourself up, make sure to splash around a lot. And the miller's son, he did this, he took off his clothes, he got into the river and he went to scrub himself off. And the cat said, no, splash, splash more. And so the miller's son started to splash around. The cat ran off, grabbed his clothes, hit them under a rock, then ran up to the road waiting for the king's carriage to come by. When he saw the king's carriage, he began to wave and wave, saying, stop, stop, stop. And the carriage driver said, your majesty, there's a cat waving at us and he's wearing boots. And the king said, oh, yes, that must be the servant of the Marquis of Catsbury. Stop, stop, we'll see what he wants. And the cat ran up to the king's window and said, oh, thank God you've come by, your majesty. My, ma- my, my master, the Marquis of Catsbury, he's been attacked by robbers. They've stolen his carriage, they've stolen his clothes, and they've thrown him into the river, and I fear he's going to drown. And the king, he ran down to the river and said, I can't let the Marquis of Catsbury drown. <laughs> and he saw the miller's son naked and splashing around in the river, and he leapt in and he pulled the young boy in and he said, oh, Marquis of Catsbury, oh, it was so lucky that your servant managed to catch us. Come, come, come to my carriage. I will, I will get you some clothes. I need some dry clothes as well. And he dressed the miller's son in the finest clothes and he sat him in the carriage next to his daughter and uh, well, the princess looked at this young man and she, uh, she said, he'll do, he'll be okay. And the two of them began to have a conversation. He was dressed at this point, right? Yeah, he was dressed at this point. <laughs> yeah, he was dressed at this point. Both the king and uh, the miller's son slash Marcus of Catsbury, they had both redressed in dry clothes. <laughs> Yeah, and anyway, curious as well. while uh, while this was going on, uh, the cat was running as fast as he could to the castle of the ogre, because there just happened to be an ogre, oh, wow. mm-hmm. a shape shifting ogre, Ooh. and the cat knocked on the door, and the ogre opened the door and saw a cat in boots. Well, a cat in boots must be someone important, so he let the cat come in, and the cat said, "I've heard so much about you mm-hmm. and your amazing skills. I just had to come and see it for myself. Is it true that you you can you can change your shape?" And the ogre said, well, indeed I can. Look at this. And he became a great bear towering over nails as long as sabres, teeth like daggers. And the cat said, oh, that's, that's very impressive. But uh, don't you find a bear is rather a, a lumbering and cumbersome form? I wonder, can you, can you turn yourself into something a bit more, you know, nimble and elegant? And the ogre said, oh, indeed. Snapped his fingers and suddenly he became a deer. Deer that could leap across things, move sprightly. And the cat said, that's very impressive. But, you know, I've heard that it's the greatest skill to change yourself into something smaller than you are. I mean, the deer and the bear, very impressive. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not. 
but they're bigger than you. So you're you're sort of inflating your mass and then manipulating the form. I wonder, can can you like compress yourself down into something really small? I've heard that's the most that's the test of a, a true magician. And the ogre said, indeed, I can. And he turned himself into a flea. And the cat left on the flea and swallowed it. Which was disgusting, and the cat never wanted to do anything like that again. But the ogre was gone. The castle was empty. The cat went to the doors, flung it open, had trumpet sound, and the king, well, he directed his, his carriage to ride up to these sounds. And they came to the castle, and the cat in boots was standing there saying, Your Majesty, Marcus of Catsbury, Princess, please, welcome home. I'll have dinner prepared. And the miller's son, he became the lord of the castle. With all of its lands, he was indeed now the Marquis of Catsbury. And the king decided, when his daughter came up and said that she would like to marry the Marquis of Catsbury, that yes, it would be a very good idea. Someone who could have a cat as their servant was definitely the right match. And Miller's son became the Marquis, and the cat became a lord. And for all I know, they all lived happily ever after. And Perrault ended most of his uh, fairy tales with a little moral at the end. So this is his moral as translated by... Let me just double check and get this right from the book. This is from his Complete Book of Fairy Tales by Charles Perrault, uh, translated by Christopher Betts. And he has two morals for this. Although the benefits are great for one who owns a large estate, because he is his father's son, young men, when all is said and done, will find sharp wits and common sense worth more than inheritance. Unless you're inheriting a very clever cat. <laughs> and the second moral is, if the son of a miller, in ten minutes or less, can take a girl's fancy and make a princess, who longing, who's looking longingly at him, provides an old truth, that elegant clothes on a good-looking youth can play a distinctive part in winning the love of the female heart. So I prefer the moral of uh, dress for the cat, dress, not just for the cat, dress for the job you want, not the job you've got. <laughs> yeah. And always invest in a good pair of boots. Yes. Yes. Cat-sized boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, that, that's puss in boots. Yeah. I'd never actually heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It's, everyone, it's, it's weird. Everyone is sort of familiar with the idea of puss in boots, of a cat in boots and like... Shrek. Yeah, he yes, shows up in Shrek. Shrek. And he's got yeah. his own spin-off in Shrek, but not many people know the... The full story of, yeah, of Puss yeah. in Boots, which is just a... He doesn't fight any jewels or assassinate anyone. Yeah. Or has those big pools of eyes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. yeah. The... Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that's oh, a... Fantastic. Oh, that was such a good little reel. Yeah. yeah. So this has been our little, little, little quick dive into the world of cats. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm still not going to go and get a kitten, but I might like cats a little bit more. Maybe that's still a victory. We're on, mm. we're on the road. We're on the road yeah. to get there. I'm still a the dog person. I'm still very much in love with my three doggers. I think, you think you're okay with, with, with us? I think it's 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 good that this seat here is empty because Orla would be. Or yeah. oh, you're making yes. sure to miss you there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we we might return to cats again. We might return to dogs again, or other animals. If anyone knows any good animal stories, please do send yeah. them to us. Tell us. We love hearing suggestions. We love finding stories we don't know already. Yes. Oh. So, like, Deirdre and I were pretty, uh, our background is largely in, like, Irish folklore and mythology, and Georgia, you've, you've got a lot of I Irish just, as well. Well, I've just and, stumbled in here, and you, I'll be straight. And you're, you're, looking, <laughs> you're looking a lot in, at, like, Arabic uh, 
that's yeah i'm finding that really interesting i will admit i'm a novice but i think it's something i would like to look more into yeah so if anyone from from any other cultures or knows any other stories please do send them to us we we always love to hear the stories hear other perspectives and if you know any stories about cats that will either make me like cats or confirm my suspicion that all cats are up to something please do get in touch with us definitely yeah you can get in touch with us now can i get this right Okay. You can get in touch with us through various forms of social media. On Facebook, we are Tales from the Shadows. On Instagram, we are Tales from the Shadows. Why are we Tales from the Shadows on these two? Well, because we've got this theatre group called Tales from the Shadows. We do storytelling shadow puppet shows, and I thought it would be easy if we had the same social media handle. It's not. So, uh, Instagram, Tales from the Shadows. Facebook, Tales from the Shadows. Wait. Sounds from the shadows? No, Tales from the Shadows. Okay. On all the yeah, on all the social media we're Tales from the Shadows. Yes, sorry. And on Inst- on Twitter we're Tales from the Shadows. You can find us at Tales Shadows. I'm so sorry guys. I've heard this so many times. I, know. I still was like, wait a second. I know, I know. Uh, we are also on Patreon if you'd like to support us. Uh, we've got a couple of patrons now. Thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. Hello. Yeah. And also the 20th of March is World Storytelling Day. Yes, it is. So, yes. yeah. So this is coming out before this. I think this will be the only episode we have before World Storytelling Day. But please do look up in your local area what's going on for the 20th of March for World Storytelling Day near you. And if there's nothing going on, get a group of friends together and start to tell some stories. Yes. Yes, definitely. That's what we do. And if you're, if you happen to be in Dublin on the twentieth of March, it's a Wednesday. Please check out the National Leprechaun Museum. Deirdre and I will be there, and we would love to tell you some stories. Oh, um, thank you again. I've been Emily Collins. I've been Georgia Doyle. I've been Deirdre Quinn. Bye. Bye. Bye.